0: This is a squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com/critical to find out more. <laughs>
1: pushes forward with its invasion of Ukraine, the West has been using sanctions as a key method of retaliation and punishment. In this Squiz Shortcut, we look at what they are exactly and who imposes them, the impact of these sanctions and Russia's reaction. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, let's get straight into it and start with a broad definition of sanctions, which is really another word for penalties.
2: Yeah, they're penalties that don't involve the military or the use of lethal force. They can be imposed by a country against another or an international organisation like the United Nations uh, against a group or a country.
1: And sanctions can be used as a punishment for bad behaviour or they can be used to stop a rogue nation from doing something undesirable like accessing weapons or technologies that pose a risk to the world more generally.
2: Yeah, like what most of the world does with North Korea and its nuclear arsenal. Uh, and sanctions can also be used as a deterrent in an attempt to stop violence or conflict like what we're seeing with Russia over Ukraine. Uh, that's the stick and the carrot is the the sanctions being dropped if the bad behaviour stops.
1: Sanctions can take a couple of different forms, Claire.
2: Yeah, they can be comprehensive, uh, which might stop, say, the export of certain goods or services from one country to any other. And they can be specific, so sanctions against an individual or group of people who have been accused of doing the wrong thing.
1: Let's start with economic sanctions, Claire, because they're probably the most common.
2: Yeah, that's everything from freezing cash uh, and assets of individuals to blocking transfers uh, by anyone to and from specific financial institutions.
1: And sticking with that theme, in order to impose sanctions, groups or entities like a bank have to be formally designated. Right. And that
2: means that they have to be formally listed as problematic. Uh, That can be done by a sovereign country like Australia. We've done that with Myanmar, Syria, Zimbabwe, uh, and recently Russia. And we also share the sanctions regime with the United Nations for penalties against countries like North Korea and Iran. Uh, That's because we're assigned up member of the UN, so we take responsibility for implementing their sanctions on our patch.
1: As the war in Ukraine intensifies, Australia has implemented a series of sanctions against Russia. Let's get into those details next. When Russia invaded Ukraine last week, it was hit by a raft of sanctions from Australia and so many other nations across the world. To get an accurate picture of the sanctions landscape, we're going to break it down into different sectors. So first, Claire, let's start with finance and the economy. There's a lot of sanctions that have targeted Russia's economy as the main
2: pressure point but probably the one to call out is against Russia's central bank. It's a powerful one because it limits Russia's ability to access $600 billion of its own money that's held in the United States and in other nations. Just to explain that a bit, central banks, including Australia's Reserve Bank, have money in markets outside their own country. It helps them spread their risk. So these sanctions freeze those assets. Russia just can't access them. And If they can't get access to that money, uh, Russia can't stop the ruble from plunging in value, which is already happening. And if that currency goes into freefall, uh, it could trigger huge inflation. It can dramatically increase the cost of living for ordinary Russians.
1: And then, Claire, in one of the biggest hits from the West, it's cut off several Russian banks from the international SWIFT financial network. Let me explain SWIFT for a second. It's the system
2: that moves billions of dollars around more than 11,000 banks and other global financial institutions. It's a really vital element of global commerce and of banking. Uh, This sanction was considered by the West in response to Russia's last invasion of Crimea in 2014, but they didn't do it then. Since then, Russia has tried to develop its own financial transfer system, but it's had limited success.
1: Claire, the sanctions are also targeting specific people and one notable Russian is, of course, President Vladimir Putin.
2: Yes. So there are sanctions that are going after his personal assets. And that's tricky because Russian analysts say that he's hidden them very well. Uh, Sanctions also target Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov uh, and other senior government figures. Uh, If they have a bank account or property or other assets in Europe and America, they'll be frozen. And that's also the case for the 251 members of Russia's parliament, the head of intelligence, the military, you get the picture.
1: Yes. And the West is also sanctioning Russia's elite. They're the oligarchs who run the big companies in the country. They're extremely powerful and have the president's ear on policy.
2: Yeah, the men as well. So the men that have been targeted uh, are the owners of those banks and all companies. Their international assets are on the freeze and they're also on the travel ban list around the world.
1: Russia is a huge energy producer through its oil and gas reserves. And one area where we haven't seen as many sanctions as expected is in the energy and industry category.
2: Yeah, there's some, but the thing to know about that is that Europe is heavily dependent on Russian-produced energy. It imports about 40% of its natural gas from Russia. So the EU doesn't want to impose sanctions that will ultimately harm itself.
1: Lastly, Claire, we've got sanctions that hit the sporting world and that might sound a bit frivolous, but big-time sport is big-time money.
2: Yeah, and Russia has a big footprint in international sport. The UEFA Champions League final has been taken off St Petersburg. It's been given to Paris uh, and Russian football clubs have been suspended from all of those big soccer competitions. Uh, The Formula One Grand Prix and all of the World Cup skiing events in Russia have also been cancelled.
1: Russia's also been kicked out of Eurovision. So, you know, it's serious. (laughs) It's a long list of sanctions, but will they work? Let's get into that next.
0: Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzes how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what
2: doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation, hospitals
0: and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas
2: emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar and
0: battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP, and if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link
1: in your episode notes. sanctions put on Russia by the US, European Union, UK, Japan, Australia, and so many more are the most significant sanctions ever levelled against a country with Russia's economic size and integration in global markets. And Claire, it was a coordinated effort.
2: Yeah. So when you look back on what's unfolded, it was the start of December that Putin and US President Joe Biden have their first talks about the situation in Ukraine. So these sanctions aren't something that have been dreamt up overnight. Uh, Those countries that you talked about have announced sanctions uh, and they've been talking to each other about what could be done if Russia did invade. Uh, So it's a response that had been thought through.
1: During those talks, Biden told Putin that the US did not plan to put troops on the ground in Ukraine, but he promised those severe economic sanctions.
2: Yeah, he said that Russia would pay, and this is the quote, a terrible price, and that Russia's standing in the world would change markedly uh, in the event of an incursion into Ukraine. Uh, That, of course, is what's happened.
1: And it's both of those things that have seen Putin respond in an unprecedented way.
2: Yeah, he's responded by putting Russian nuclear forces on high alert. Uh, We don't really know what that means, but experts say uh, it doesn't mean a nuclear strike is imminent, but it is extremely alarming nonetheless. Mm. Uh, Putin said that he did this, and to quote him, uh, because Western countries aren't only taking unfriendly actions against our country in the economic sphere, but top officials from leading NATO members made aggressive statements regarding our country.
1: So Putin is clearly aggrieved about the sanctions and how the US, UK and European nations have condemned Russia's actions. One question at the centre of all of this is will the sanctions work? Will they make Putin change tack on Ukraine? And it's a fair question because while Ukraine uh,
2: is getting a bunch of support, it's not getting boots on the ground to help them repel the Russian invasion. The economic sanctions are severe and analysts say that it could lead to severe inflation, uh, a stock market crash and financial panic uh, that would inflict pain on the Russian people, uh, from billionaires to government officials to ordinary people as we talked about. So it's nothing to sneeze at.
1: It sounds pretty serious, Claire, but it can take time. And that's something that Ukraine doesn't have.
2: Yeah, that's right. And add to that Russia's famous resilience. It's not a country that backs down easily. And Western nations are also mindful of the fact that ordinary people will suffer and that might fuel anti-Western sentiment and bolster Putin's narrative that his country is being persecuted.
1: And Claire, the other trick is that sanctions are designed to land a damaging blow against Russia while limiting the economic shockwaves around the world. Uh, when it comes to the global economy, that's pretty tricky. Yeah, we're all connected
2: one way or another, and that's why the diamond in Russia's economy is largely off-limits at this point, and that's their enormous oil and gas export industry. Not only would stopping or limiting Russia's energy leave Europe short, it would also drive up prices across Europe and North America, and they're just, of course, grappling with the inflation that comes from the pandemic recovery, so it is tricky.
1: And Claire, sanctions aren't the only way the West is responding. Hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid is being sent to Ukraine, but it's not troops on the ground. No, it's not. But it is a
2: form of direct military involvement that includes weaponry, munitions, body armour uh, and the like to support Ukraine's frontline defenders. And that's what Ukraine's Vladimir Zelensky says that he needs. Uh, and when he was offered an airlift out of Ukraine uh, at the start of the war, he said, I need ammunition, not a
1: ride. Clara, I have a feeling this isn't the last time we'll talk about this war in Squeeze Shortcuts, as the terrible events in Ukraine continue to unfold. And that's your shortcut to the West sanctions on Russia onto recommendations. <laughs> my pick this week is an article in The Atlantic by David Frum. He's a former speechwriter for Republican President George W. Bush. It looks at what the sanctions will do to the Russian economy more broadly and the implications for the international markets. I got a lot from it. Yep. Sounds like one for the brainiacs, like anything from the Atlantic. So
2: go crazy. Uh, Mine is a simple one. It's a link to a New York Times article uh, from their team in Russia. They talk to Russians about their fears of what sanctions will do to their everyday lives.
1: And thank you for joining in to Squiz Shortcuts. If you like our shortcut, you might want to consider leaving a review in your podcast app. We always love getting recommendations on shortcuts. So if you have any ideas, get in touch with hello at the squiz.com.au. Until next week.